welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. All right. Well, good morning. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 40, moving right along in this book. It's good. Genesis chapter 40. Well, you can see uh, by the title there, I have on the screen for you, I've chosen uh, this title, Holding On To God's Promises. And the reason I've, I've chosen that is I believe that is what Joseph has been doing all of uh, those years as a slave down in Egypt. And you and I also go through uh, times when our faith is tested. Uh, We may not uh, experience anything like Joseph did, but we have our own forms of discouragements and disappointments in life. Uh, Some will battle with uh, various levels of uh, feelings of depression, uh, what the Puritans called melancholy. But uh, that is something that is common to us uh, as believers as well. Discouragement in times when we're just feel down. Sometimes we know why and sometimes we might not even know why. But that is a reality of the ups and downs that we experience. And whether we're faced with a sudden, you know, life-changing kind of uh, tragic event, or whether it's the more common day-to-day accumulation of problems and feelings of discouragement, we must allow God to do His transforming work in our lives. It's a, it's a work that we refer to as sanctification or, or halach mocking. And the way that we are to respond to these troubles and trials in life is by holding on to the promises of God. I want you to notice uh, this verse in Hebrews 10, verse 23, where he writes, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The confession of our hope is that which we have believed the promises of God. And we can hold fast to that because God who promised is faithful. We can depend on Him. And even when we can't see, we know that He does. And so we can hold fast to what He has said. As you remember last week, we we're at the end and look at chapter 39. If you look towards the end of that chapter, you'll remember that a Joseph has been wrongly accused of, uh, of molesting Potiphar's wife, and he's put into prison. We are told that it's the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And it's interesting, the text doesn't say anything about it, but the, the fact that he wasn't killed, the fact that Potiphar didn't have him executed, which would kind of been the norm uh, 
from what we, little we know of history, prisons were not a big thing, or some, some cultures not a thing at all, unless it was just a holding to be tried or executed. But the fact that Joseph wasn't uh, executed right away might indicate that Potiphar had doubts about his wife's story. <laughs> it, may, it may indicate that he, he had uh, some sympathy for, for Joseph. But in any case, we come to chapter 40, and that's where we see Joseph is in prison. And Joseph is 28 years old at this time. He's uh, been, uh, it's been 11 years since he was sold uh, by his brothers to these traders headed down to Egypt. And, and so we don't know of that 11 years how much time he was under Potiphar, his, his, his Potiphar's household, or how much time was in prison but uh, the total time together is 11, and, and most likely the bigger part of that was in prison uh, in this um, place where he's, where he's at now. We also saw that Joseph had been faithful to God uh, during, uh, during this time that he uh, was in both of these places. And Moses makes a point uh, back in chapter 39 of repeating the fact that God was with him and that he made all that he did succeed. And so it was uh, so much so that both uh, Potiphar and this keeper of the prison, they recognized Joseph as someone that was, could be trusted He's obviously a hard worker, but they also recognized that the, the blessing upon him was not just a normal kind of average everyday blessing <laughs> or, or something that was just natural. They, they acknowledged that it was God who had um, blessed him, although they, they obviously did not believe in Joseph God. They, they could see that God was with him. And it, and it is a, a point of um, admonition to us today that whatever God gives us to do, we need to do it to the best of our ability. We need, we need to do it to honor the Lord. As, as, as children of God, we can give glory to Him even in the most mundane things of life. And that's how we see this young man and this verse really speaks to that condition of that reality. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12. There, Peter uh, admonishes us. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So God is doing something. He has a plan. We can see the plan because we have, we have the revelation of, uh, of the, whole, the whole account. But we need to remember that, um, <clears throat> and I want you to notice that even though Joseph is trusting God, He's working hard in his responsibilities and 
in doing from what we can we can see in the text what he should be doing and being faithful there's no end in sight for him uh, he's just day after day year after year he's still a slave he's still serving and uh, that that wires you down doesn't it when it's the same thing there's hard to hold on to the promise of God. And in fact, in spite of all of his effort, in spite of his faith, his situation is getting worse. He's moved from the household of Potiphar, which were evidently had a measure of freedom. Now he's in this prison. And this prison where he's at is referred to twice in this chapter as the pit. So evidently, it was some kind of underground structure, something like we would imagine a dungeon uh, being. And so that's where, that's where Joseph is at. Let's read together from our text in Genesis chapter 40. <clears throat> Begins by saying, sometime after this, and referring to after he was put in prison there, and uh, he'd become... Uh, successful in the, in the sense that the keeper of the prison had um, given him charge over the affairs there, his responsibilities in the prison. And it says, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard of the prison where Joseph was confined. Again, we see the, the providential working of God. Verse 4 says, The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, and the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each uh, his own dream, and each dreamed uh, in each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to, to him, we have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me. And on the vine there were three branches. And soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse, verse 12, Then Joseph said, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. And Joseph says in verse 14, Only remember me 
when, when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and to get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Well, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream, and there were three cakes, bas uh, th three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked foods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. <clears throat> the three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for his servants and lifted up the head of the baker, uh, sorry, lift up the head of the, the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, we thank you this morning for uh, your word that you've given us, truths that we see and learn, and we pray this morning that your spirit might uh, take your words and apply them to our, to our minds, our hearts, that we might, uh, we might be helped this morning. I pray that you would accomplish your purpose in each of our lives as we... Uh, we hear your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in many ways, we find this young man, Joseph, a positive, godly example to us. And I think we, we obviously don't want to miss that. We want to see uh, the, the good. We, we are warned by the, by the bad examples. We also want to be admonished, encouraged by the good examples we see in Scripture but we, we also want to see God here working as he is in the background. He's given uh, grace to Joseph. And Joseph's testimony is a, uh, his life is a testimony to God's grace uh, through this prolonged suffering, through this pro prolonged difficult circumstance that this young man has been going through. Uh, we're not really given much detail about Joseph's struggle during this time. We were just given the, the high points and what uh, God's you know helping him through. But for 11 years, uh, we're not, we don't read about his emotional ups and downs. We, we don't read about uh, any struggles that he had with his faith or being discouraged. But we can be sure that he had those struggles because he was human like we are. And he had the same kind of problems that we have. Uh, problems of, uh, of discouragement and problems of things not working out like we had hoped that they would. Uh, days when you just feel uh, tired. <laughs> days when you don't want to you know, get up and go to work. Uh, all of those kinds of feelings and emotions, you can be sure that, that Joseph had those. And so we want to think about this 
this passage or this time in Joseph's life and what what God is doing in testing his faith. And I have this this statement here that I want us to think about when when going through disappointing and discouraging times, we must hold on to God's promises. And I, I hope that's what we can leave this morning with, this reminder, this admonishment that when we go through these troubles, when we go through trials of any kind, that we <clears throat> will remember the goodness and the grace of God, we remember His promises that He's made to us because He is a faithful God. Well, Joseph was a young man of unusual faith. And God had truly blessed him with a large measure of faith. Uh, as you think about the passages that we've worked through over many weeks or many, many sermons, um, there really hasn't been anyone of this kind of faith uh, since Abraham. Someone that would trust God through these kinds of troubles. But I want you to think that God had a great task for him. God had a plan for him. And so God took him through some deep waters of trial to prepare him and to mature him for the responsibility that would lay ahead of him. As we will see in the next chapter, Joseph will become second in command in Egypt. Uh, at the age of 30 and uh, that's that's quite a young that's quite a young age for the place that he's going to be in not only the responsibility but as you can imagine the temptation that he would face being thrust into this powerful position Pharaoh basically said no one's going to do anything in the kingdom without your approval and he's given him this kind of ultimate power with all the, the idolatry of Egypt. He's really the only one there that believes in God. And that in and of itself is a, is a big enough temptation. But all the politics of being in that position, all the pressures of not compromising your faith, all of that is going to be thrust upon him. And God, I believe, is the the testing, the trial of his faith is to prepare him for for this place that he's going to be put into. And he will become an instrument of God to protect the people of God. The nation would become the nation of Israel. But we do have to remind ourselves and remember that Joseph didn't know what God was doing. Uh, he was uh, living out the day-by-day uncertainty of being a slave to these pagan masters. And he really didn't know what tomorrow would bring. And so he had to depend upon the promises of God and what God had revealed to him, what had been passed down to him from, uh, from his father and grandfather, and uh, from the promise given to Abraham and the, and the Abrahamic covenant, and then the, the revelation of the, of the dreams that God had given Joseph, and just the presence of God. No doubt Joseph was aware 
of God's hand upon him, of the encouragement that that would have been. Joseph had to hold on to that. And in the times when he would have been discouraged and would not necessarily have sensed that presence. You've been there, right? You've gone through times when you get discouraged and you don't necessarily feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like praying. You, you don't kind of you know, sense the, you know, the glory of God around you. You feel like you're in a very dark place sometimes. And I'm sure Joseph experienced those same kinds of feelings, but Joseph, although he had human reason to become discouraged and despair and become cynical, Joseph held on to the promises that God had given him. And we see that in how he conducts himself and how he responds. Joseph must have must have thought that all the, the hard work that Potiphar had seen in him and had entrusted to him the responsibilities that he'd be given, he must have thought that somehow God is going to use this to set me free. I, I can't imagine that he would you know, be, be down there in Potiphar's house thinking, well, this is the life. <laughs> he's he's got to be thinking, you know, the Lord is going to get me out of here and I'm going to get to go back home. And, and you, you can see with the promotions that uh, Joseph received and the confidence that Potiphar had in him that that must have given him this feeling that somehow God is going to use this. But, but any thoughts like that, any hope like that would have been dashed when he was put in prison. He just is a dead end. And he's in a place now that's much worse than, than where he was at before. And, and when you're a, a teenager, going into your early 20s, 11 years is a long time. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, time goes by a bit slower, especially if you're just waiting. <laughs> you're, wanting, you're waiting for this to happen. And you're looking forward to something happening. 11 years, days go by slowly. And I can imagine, I can only imagine being in prison Days must go by very slowly. And so, again, we see that during this time in prison, after however many years he was there, by God's grace, Joseph was promoted again to be over the affairs there in the prison. And we see God's providence upon a certain day uh, it was very unexpected to Joseph, no doubt. These two high officials of Pharaoh show up. And they're put into this prison. The, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker uh, are there. And then we don't know how long. The Bible said, just says, after some time. <laughs> so they have these dreams. And it was probably, they probably weren't there very long until God gave them these dreams. And the dreams were very troubling to them. We see in verse 6 and 8, it says, When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody, his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to them, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? 
Please tell them to me. And so we see Joseph, the reason we can say he's holding on to God's promises is because he's not allowed the situation that he's in to cause, cause him to be bitter and cynical. That's not, that's not who we see. We see Joseph is someone who's concerned about other people. He comes in and he, he, he acknowledges these guys are not their normal self. They're, they're, they're troubled about something. And Joseph, if he was allowing the circumstances to impact him to become just downcast and cynical about you know, God and about life in general and complaining, he wouldn't have cared whether anybody else is discouraged or not. He would not have offered to help even if he thought he could help. Because when you're in that condition, you don't care. You don't care about yourself in many ways in the sense of, you know, you just, you're just going through the motions. You certainly don't care about other people. But Joseph here is showing the evidence of somebody who has maintained his faith in God. And he cares about other people. He cares about these other prisoners. And he asks them about what's wrong. And he demonstrates to them that he is a person that trusts in God. And so the cupbearer tells Joseph his dream. And God enables Joseph to interpret the dream and gives this man good news that he's going to be restored. Notice verse 13 and 15 again. In three days, he gives the interpretation. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your offices. You probably saw there, he's, he does a play on that thought there, that lifting up your head. Um, both, of the, both of the men's heads were lifted up, but not in the same way. <laughs> and he says, he will lift up your head, restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Notice the request that he makes here. Only remember me, when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, so, uh, Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Well, the, the chief baker is encouraged by this interpretation, and so he tells him his dream, but, but the interpretation, as we know, is bad news for him. And in three days, it happens just as uh, Joseph has predicted. The cupbearer is restored and the baker is executed. But I want you to think about Joseph. On the third day, the news comes that these men are you know, they're, they're being uh, let out of prison. <laughs> and Joseph knows this interpretation is from God and that the cupbearer is going to be restored and I can imagine Joseph is excited about this possibility of this cupbearer going back to Pharaoh and telling him about this prisoner that helped him and this, you know, this prisoner that uh, uh, gave the interpretation of his dream. And, and, he, and he has this expectation that he's going to be released and that he's going to get to go back home. And I can imagine... Uh, Joseph saying to him as he's leaving the prison, he tells the cupbearer, you know, 
don't forget me. Don't forget to tell Pharaoh about me. And the cupbearer said, oh, don't worry. I won't forget. Um, but <clears throat> Joseph uh, must have thought that this is, this is my time. The time has come. God's going to answer my prayers. I'm going to get out of here. But verse 23 ends the chapter by saying, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And you have to assume that he intentionally forgot him. Probably because... He just was glad to be out and he didn't want to, to stir any potential problems for him. Joseph was not that important. And I can imagine that Joseph there, as this cupbearer leaves, he's got these high hopes. He may have even got his things in order, a few things that he had there, and so he'd be ready to, ready to go. And the one day comes, one day goes, nothing. Another day comes and goes, nothing. Another day, nothing. After a week, nothing. He, he may have asked, you know, you heard any news, any word? Nothing. And true is the saying from Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we've all been there where we've had hope about something. We've, we, we've allowed ourselves to believe that something's going to happen and, and it's, you know, we can get excited about it and we can think about how it's going to be only to have those hopes dashed and come to a sudden end. And sometimes it's, it's because we put our hope in the wrong things. We've, we've placed our hopes in things that we, um, we really don't have any confidence in or shouldn't have. And sometimes as Christians, we can have wrong expectations of God. We can place expectations on God that He does has not promised to us, at least not now. You know, things like expectations that uh, some people promote, that if you just have enough faith, then God you know, will give you health, or God will bless you, or God's going to give you this, or God's going to give you that job, or, or you know, this is going to happen. And God may do those things, but He's not committed Himself to do those things for us. And, and if we allow our expectations to build and have hope in things that God's not promised, we, we stand a good chance of being discouraged because they don't come true. But as we see Joseph, Joseph is trusting in God. He's got his hope in the right place, and it seems like this is God's plan I mean, God has brought these things together. He, he organized for uh, these men to be there in the prison and He gives them dreams and He gives Joseph the ability to interpret the dreams and He restores the cup bearer. And it just seems like, from Joseph's perspective, it seems like this is God's way of, of getting him out of this place. But it just wasn't to be. And we begin in chapter 41 with the phrase, after two full years. And I can imagine that those two years, after Joseph had got his hopes up, and then just nothing. And then two years of the same thing. I can imagine that those were the hardest years for Joseph. Not that his condition was worse it was probably the same thing as before 
same thing. But having lost hope or having your hope dashed is a hard thing. And I can imagine these were a trying time for Joseph. And I believe that God used this time for his greatest spiritual growth in his life. Times of great disappointment will confront us as well. And it confronts us to be tempted to turn away. To turn, turn away from our dependence and faith upon God. It, they will tempt us to despair. They will, they will tempt us even to bitterness. Bitterness against other people. And even bitterness against God. But we must resist this temptation of the flesh, this inward focus on self, and turn our hearts to the Lord and allowing His work to be accomplished in us, allowing the disappointments, allowing the discouragements of life to drive us even deeper to depend upon God and trust in Him. Trust in His love for us. Trust in His sovereign care for us. I want to go back to that phrase we saw last week from Psalm 105, verse 18 and 19, as the psalmist recounts the, some of the history of uh, God's working in the nation of Israel. And this part here in these verses deal with Joseph. It says, His, his feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And I, I believe he's referring to what he had said there, the, the dreams that God had given him about how that he was going to rule over his brothers and even over his mother and father until that came to pass, which happens in chapter, uh, the next chapter, chapter 41. Until then, the word of the Lord tested him. And the purpose for testing is our growth, our maturity, our increased dependence upon God. And that word testing there that's used in, in Psalm 105, verse 19, it is used in the refining process of a goldsmith or someone who, who works with metals. It's to, to purify those, uh, those elements. So it's a, it's a refining process that God is, is doing in his life. You see, the cupbearer forgot Joseph, but God didn't forget him. God was right there with him just as he had been before, carrying out his purpose and his plan. God could have given Pharaoh his dream. We're going to see next chapter this dream of Pharaoh that came two years later. God could have given that dream in the next week, the next few days. But God had a purpose for waiting. And in our low times of discouragement and disappointment, God has not forgotten us. He has a purpose in our lives. And one of the great purposes that God has in our lives is to bring us to a place of total dependence upon God. And we don't get there very easily sometimes, do we? We, we like to do our own thing. We like to have our own independence. We like to do things our own way. We like to think that we have a, a measure of control. 
And until we get to a point where we can be totally dependent upon God, we, we need to grow more, don't we? And God takes us through times to grow us so that we can stop trusting ourselves, stop trusting somebody else, stop, stop trusting the circumstances, and trust Him. That's how our Christian life begins. When we come to, to faith in Christ, God must work in a person's heart and mind so they come to a place where they are totally dependent upon God to save them. They're no longer trusting in their good deeds. They're no longer trusting in uh, something they can do. But their, their faith has to be totally thrust upon God in the work of Christ on the cross for us to forgive us and to save us. And so the question comes to, to us this morning, are you depending upon God? Have you, first of all, come to that initial place of faith and total dependence upon God to save you through the work of Christ? And if you have, are you continuing uh, to grow in your faith? Are you allowing God to mature you in your faith so that the circumstances of life are deepening your dependence upon Him and trust in Him. God comes to us in those low times and He reassures us with His Word. The promises that He's given to us. And So when our faith is, tr- is tested, we must hold on to those promises and those truths. And we must, although we cannot see, we must look to Him in faith. Romans 8 verse 23 is one of those such promises that says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In verse 37, he answers, No, in all these, these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And the well-known Psalm 23 Verse 4 says, the psalmist writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the testimony of faith. And it it is our faith as believers that allows us to turn to God and believe what He has said because He is faithful. One day... One day our faith will turn to sight because we will be with the Lord. We will see Him. We will know His purposes that He has purposed in our lives. But for now, we sometimes walk as as in a fog. We don't see. We don't know what God's doing. And we can walk with Him by faith. Let me close with John 14, verses 1 to 3. As Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples, he's going to be crucified. They're going to go through all of this disappointment and discouragement and trouble and just uncertainty about what in the world is happening. All the things that they had kind of wrongly expected about what Christ was going to do in his first coming, they're going to they're going to be tempted to doubt and and wonder. And God comes to them with His promise and says, "Let, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. 
Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, if, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And many, many promises in the, in the Word of God like that for us. That God has promised us to encourage us, to reassure us that He has a plan. He's in control. And He's working out His plan in our lives, even, even and especially when we can't see what He's doing. Hold fast to Him because He is faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the encouragement from Your Word this morning as we, we've seen it played out in the life of Joseph. Lord, You could have just recorded the facts that, that You wanted us to know, but You chose to give us a, a person that lived out the day-by-day struggle of life and went through the ups and downs of experiences that he faced and he maintained faith in you and your promise because lord you are faithful and we thank you lord for that we thank you for the grace grace to believe you grace to trust you i pray father that you would encourage us today that we might live in that confidence and in that hope and so we praise you and thank you in jesus name amen